I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello everyone and welcome to History Dweebs. I'm Tim Scott and welcome to today's podcast. The topic of today's podcast is Typhoid Mary, and as always, joining me here is uh, my colleagues, Brandy, blue-haired Herman. How are you, Brandy? I'm good. How are you, Tim? I'm doing well, and we also have the distinguished Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawk Walters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? I'm quite well. Thank you, Timmy. And we also have another guest and another guest with joining us today. So we're happy to, for her first podcast, to welcome Brandy Porter. Hi, Brandy. How are hello, you? Hello, hello. I'm fine. How are you? We, I'm doing well. So we have two dweebs and a du- two dweebettes today. So exciting. It is exciting. And, um, Charles, how are you feeling? Because you're looking a little peaked today. He's implying you have typhoid. <laughs> okay. So. I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling quite well. Thank okay. you. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better than you look. Your eyes are bleeding a little bit. I'm before, just saying. Before we start today, we w- I want to get a couple of shout-outs. Do I look uh, yeah, you, look, you, you don't look well. Yeah, with Jack Nicholson glasses. Nicholas. Do I look okay to you? No, Nicholson. Yeah. Oh, you're just sexy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway, I want a couple couple shout outs real quick to uh, a couple of listeners. Um, we had a comment on our um, Lipson uh, page from a Christine who was quite impressed with the Colonel and wanted to win a date with with him. Um, did she really co- listen to this? I don't know. She she uh, she somehow she was quite impressed with him. She's never seen somehow. this picture, so. <laughs> but um, the colonel is available, Christine. But that answers the question. That is not she true. <laughs> but Christine, thank you for your comment. We also would like to thank. Uh, we got an email from Lisa. Lisa, thank you very much for your comment. She's listened to every show, and my mom listens to every show. So, Hi, mom. Yeah. Yeah. Dottie, is that her name? Yeah, she likes Brandy and she likes Brandy and Chuck, but she never heard comments on how well I do, so I don't know what that means. But Hi, Dottie. And we are uh, a couple of listeners, um, Barry and his son, Barry Jr., they they very active on our Facebook page, and we appreciate that. We have over 1,000 likes on our Facebook page now, so thank you, everyone. Yay. Thank you. 
And um, we love comments. We love feedback. So inbox us. Uh, like our Facebook page. Inbox us. Um, or write us at historydweeb at yahoo.com. We would love to hear from you. Our podcasts are available on uh, iTunes as well as Stitcher. So thank you, everyone. Sorry for the long introduction. Uh, well, we should also thank our sponsor. We do not week. have a sponsor. Tonight. We do have a sponsor, and it is Earl's Taxidermy in Chillicothe, Ohio. That's they are not sponsoring true. this show this week. That's not true. Well, they brought you lunch. If you get taxes. If you get yourself a critter and you need it stuffed, nobody can get the eyes right just like Earl can. Earl's taxidermy. Chillicothe, Ohio. I have relatives. They look so alive. I have relatives in Chillicothe, so um, I will direct them to Earl's if they have a pet die. I don't think they could get out to go talk to Earl. Yeah. Okay. Field yeah. <laughs> if they get out, you better be careful. Uh, I, know. I like Chillicothe. It's a very nice place. It's uh, Don't I have the the paper meat, paper factory still there? I know you can always smell it. Like I don't green. think there's anything but the river in Chillicothe. Uh, Chillicothe is a nice place. We have listeners there. so They make lots of plates up there. They do make a lot of license plates. <laughs> That's what my people do. <laughs> yeah, but they're not actually residents of Chillicothe. Well, they are. Yeah, they, yeah, they are residents. They're long-term residents yeah. of Chillicothe. Yeah, or temporary. Well, they don't have a choice. <laughs> no. Okay, so shout-out to everyone in Chillicothe. Uh, okay, so today's topic is Typhoid Mary. Um, and the story. this story is really a story of, of two people. Um it's a story of Mary uh, Mallon. Hallen Mallon. Mallon. I'm sorry. Mary Mallon, who is better known as Typhoid Mary, and um, George Soper, who is the guy who was able to track her down and, and um, able to, uh, through a lot of hard work and investigation, determine that uh, Mary was a, a carrier of typhoid. Before we get started, I'm going to give you a little bit of background on typhoid fever um, and that has been a serious health problem throughout history. Like uh, the measles. It, yeah, I like the measles. Is there so. a typhoid vaccine? Uh, there is, but it's not very effective. But it's if called you would, washing your hands. If, oh, okay. if you would let me um, continue, you might learn something. You seem a little snippy. Did you not get your lunch on time? (laughs) Please do not. And please do not, you know, give any falsehoods about transvestites on the show this time, please. Uh, We almost got... You're going to hold that one against me. (laughs) Forever. The legal department said he's a public figure. I can say what I want. The legal department? (laughs) He is the legal department. Yes. Okay, so typhoid fever is called by the uh, back, uh, salam, Salmella typha bacteria. Uh, the bacterium causes typhoid fever, may spread through poor hygiene habits and public, poor public sanitation conditions, and is also uh, sometimes spread by flying insects feeding, uh, feeding on feces. So, it's a poo uh, disease. Yes, it's poo. So you could catch it if you sit on a toilet and brush your teeth. Yeah, you probably could. Well, it depends on what you're doing, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so I wouldn't do that if I read, but you could, I guess. Um, but typhoid is transmitted by ingestion of food or water contaminated with the feces of an infected person. 
Um, today, in industrialized countries like the United States, uh, typhoid is rare, but it remains a serious health threat in developing countries, especially for children. In 2013, um, typhoid fever resulted in over 161,000 deaths. So, Charles, you in may, may want to get that checked out. Um, in it industrialized can, nations, no, um, just around the world. Around the world, but okay. um, it, when it happens, it you know there are still outbreaks here in the U.S. We had in the U.S. there were five thousand seven hundred cases reported in um, last year. Most of it from people traveling to um, third world countries. Brian Williams got the typhoid in Iraq, yeah, and he reported it on the news. <laughs> he reported it on the news. Yes, he did. Um, so it's it, it's still a you know a serious problem in some parts of the world, not so much in the United States, um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact of um, uh, we've improved in our uh, our sanitation and um, the um, chlorization of water has also had a dramatic Im- uh, de- uh, impact in decreasing the transmission of typhoid fever in the U.S. But at one time, it was a very serious problem. As I said, last year we had 5,700 cases of it. In 1920, we had in the U.S. In 1920, we had 35,000 cases of it. So I can tell you that um, it's been decreasing here, but but it's still an issue around the world, and it was a major problem. Uh, in early industrial United States in the early 1900s where this story is going to take place with um, typhoid Mary. Um, the signs and symptoms of typhoid Charles, you might want to write this down, include um, high, a fever, sometimes as high as 104 degrees. Check. Uh, headache. Got one Check. Yeah. Fatigue. Mm-hmm. Abdominal pain. Ouch. At either and or constipation and diarrhea. You can't have well, both at the same time? But we're in a good spot since May has the best water in the United States. They're even going to bottle their own water. No, oh, well, so I know that's what my husband does. He bottles his own water? No, he works for the city of Cincinnati Waterworks. Oh, a shout out to them. You can have him. <laughs> Just one of the It's his efforts that keeps us safe from, from <laughs> typhoid. But yes. clean out your pipes. <laughs> Okay, so if you, Charles, if, I'm just saying if, Mm. you would come down with typhoid. Not saying that you have it, just saying if you would, you know, win maybe is a better. I think, I think that would, I think we need to look at uh, you. Yeah, well, when when you more likely to get typhoid. It sounds to me like the typhoid could be cured by some Tylenol and fibro. That's not true at all. Uh, <laughs> when treated with antibiotics... That mo- treats damn near everything. <laughs> when, when those who have typhoid are treated with antibiotics, most people uh, feel better within a few days, although a small percentage die from complications. There are, a va- there are vaccines available for typhoid, but they're only partially effective. Like the measles. Uh, yeah. like, the like, like the flu vaccine. Now, typhoid in history. Around... 430 B.C., you know, give or take a year or two. Sure. Yeah. There was a devastating plague, and it's believed that uh, the cause of typhoid fever that killed about a third of the population of Athens, Greece. Did Moses bring that down? Uh, well, I, this was B.C., I, BC, I don't know. I, see, I don't know that whole Bible timeline thing. I don't either. Uh, yeah, B.C. Is yeah, I, I do know that. I do know that much. That was Moses' time. Okay. Before Christ. 
So, um, some historians believe that the Jamestown colony was completely wiped out um, by typhoid. So, if you ever, you know, that was a big mystery, what happened to Jamestown, the Jamestown colony. And many, some historians anyway, believe that it was due to typhoid. During the American Civil War, it's estimated that 81,000 Union soldiers died of typhoid. Um, the occurrence of typhoid fell sharply in the developed world with the rise of 20th century sanitation techniques and antibiotics and, of course, your husband's efforts in that regard. Love his heart. Bless his heart. Thank you, Dave. Uh, famous people who have contracted typhoid. Uh, Roger Sherman, uh, one of the, our founding fathers, died of typhoid in 1793. Wilbur Wright, one of the Wright brothers, the older of the two died of typhoid on May 30th, 1912. Interestingly, no. the younger of the two, how did he die? I'm, he I'm, wrecked his plane. He I'm, wrecked his plane. Okay. He was the first airplane fatality. They get the black box from that? Just to look at it. was a trans-Asia plane. <laughs> there you go. Louisa May. Ugly. CNN, like ugly. CNN was all over that one. <laughs> yeah. God don't like ugly. <laughs> Louisa May Alcott, who was the author of Little Women. I hate that book. Well, she wrote about, you know, uh, it was a book about, she wrote about short, short women. Short women. Right. Acquired typhoid while, Tom Thumb's wife. while she was a nurse at a hospital in Washington, D.C., but she survived. Thank God. We <laughs> never have that classic. So uh, did she write about Tiny Town here in Ohio? I don't know. She wrote Little Women. Yeah. It's, it, it was a bunch of whiny girls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it wasn't. Yeah, it was kind of boring. Abigail Adams, the wife of founding father and President John Adams. She was a badass. She was. Uh, she was the mother of the sixth president, John Quincy Adams. She died. They had that whole Bush thing going on, didn't they? They and, did. But she was badass. Yeah, well, she wasn't as bad as typhoid because it, it took her out on October 28, 1818. At the age of seventy-three, she was due. Someone's gonna take her out. She was due. Yeah, she was due. Yeah, but she's still badass. She'd already run the country. What else is there to go? Yeah, I think she like. um, No, I don't even say this because I don't know if it's historical fact, but like it stops anybody. (laughs) (laughs) But in the War of 1812, didn't she like save a lot of the artwork and stuff Mm -hmm. from the British? Okay, Heath Bell, who's a major league pitcher, he pitched for San Diego Padres and Miami Marlins, he actually contracted typhoid back in 2010 on a trip to Fiji, but he's fine now. He's still pitching, I think. They are like they were. Huh? I like Fiji's water. I don't know. That's a a brand, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe that comes from typhoid. That's Fuji, not Fiji water. It is Fuji, but it's expensive. Well, Glad you balling like that. So oh, we say all of this to lead up to our. We've you know forty five minutes into our podcast here too. Just lead up to. I don't know. Just lit to lead up to set the background for our story of Typhoid Mary. Now this took place. We're looking in the early nineteen hundreds. So sanitation uh, is not as it um, you know sanitation conditions were not as well as they are today. Brandy's husband was not on the job. No sanitizer. Uh, and, uh, you know, you're looking at um, the story takes place in New York City where there was a New lot. New York City. And where there were a lot of, um, you know, there's overcrowding. Stop it. And. Uh, well, you had a lot. In New York City at that time, you had a lot of the Irish and a lot of the Italian people living together. 
Yeah, there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of immigrants from all over the world, and they were crowded, and, you know, a lot of them are in poor uh, living conditions in the lower part of Manhattan. So, um, yeah, the, the overcrowding was a big issue. So let's talk uh, about Mary. Uh, Brandy, tell us a little bit about um, typhoid Mary. I can tell you this. There's something about Mary I do not like at all. Something about Mary. There is something about Mary that I don't like. Mary Mallon uh, was born September 23rd in 1869. Um, And she is actually, she became known later in life as the first person in the United States identified as asymptomatic. She was a carrier of the pathogen associated with typhoid. And we'll, um, and I'll get into that here in a minute. But she was born in, like I said, September 23rd, 1869 in Cookstown, County Tyrone, Ireland. Uh, she immigrated from Ireland to the United States in 1883 when she was 15 years old and lived with her aunt and uncle for a little while. And then she found work as a cook for affluent families. Did she have red hair? Do, did she have red hair? I don't know. No. All no. I've seen are black and white pictures. <laughs> she was a... Uh, so I don't know. But he doesn't have Mary, so I'm not sure why buxom, he's chiming in. She was a buxom, blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman. She was not. She was indeed. She was not. I think she was buxom. She was indeed. She was She buxom. might be. But that's not blonde hair right there. Look at her. Look blonde? at her. Look at the picture. What's not blonde hair. Okay, okay. Yeah, but it's not blonde it's hair. It's black and white. Okay. I'm sorry I asked. So anyway... With a firm mouth and jaw. Okay. So she, from from 1900-1907, she worked as a cook um, in New York City for about seven different families. Uh, in 1900, in Mamaronic, New York, uh, within two weeks of her employment, residents in her home developed typhoid fever. Uh, so in 1901, she up and she moved to Manhattan were members of the family where she was working there, developed fevers and diarrhea, and somebody actually died. Um, It was a coincidence. She then went to go work for a lawyer and left after seven of the eight people in that house became ill. Coincidence. background checks? So everywhere. (laughs) did not have background (laughs) checks. Um, In 1906, she took a position in Oyster Bay, Long Island, and within two weeks, 10 of 11 family members were hospitalized with typhoid. And she changed jobs again, and it happened. And she changed three more times. She changed jobs. Same thing happened. She kind of hold her job, could she? She just left. She just left. Um, she was like a thief in the night. Well, I'd leave too if everyone, if everybody people around me had diarrhea. I'd be getting the hell out of here. I understand. Sick. But she stayed with. I mean, she stayed with him for a little while, and then she just. I don't know. So anyway, so she worked as a cook for a family of a wealthy New York banker. His name was Charles Henry Warren. Uh, the Warrens rented a house in Oyster Bay in the summer of 1906, and she went, of course, because she was the cook. And between the 27th of August and the 3rd of September, six of the 11 people in the family came down with typhoid fever. Um, the disease at the time was unusual in Oyster Bay, so they were outside. You know, they were outside the um, confines of New York City. They get out to this little place in Long Island, and typhoid just wasn't there. Until these people and, got there, and, the, and that, at that point, officials were just yeah, they're baffled. They they're can't, baffled. They can't figure out what's going on, and that brings us into not yet, not yet. No, she was um, she was subsequently hired by other families in the area, and outbreaks 
followed her everywhere she went. Um, she, you know, there was an investigation, and Charles will get into that. Uh, but Mary, Mary was finally uh, forced into her first quarantine. Um, New York City Health Department, somebody had figured out, like I said, Charles will get into that, but the New York City Health Department sent this little lady, Sarah Josephine Baker, to talk to her. And it wasn't a singer, was it? No, it wasn't her. Josephine Baker? No. But, of course, like Mary, at this time, was convinced that the law was persecuting her uh, when she'd done nothing wrong. And so she wouldn't go into, like, a voluntary quarantine. They actually had to arrest her and put her into quarantine. The one thing... Um, done nothing wrong. Well, I mean, she was asymptomatic, right? So she was. She, to her, she never had typhoid. Right. And someone shows up at your door and says, hey, you, you're a carrier of typhoid and you've never been sick. And Mary, Mary felt that because she, was, um, she wasn't symptomatic, that it wasn't really necessary for her to wash her hands. And so what we said is that <laughs> yeah, it is nasty. Well, and this is about the time that they started realizing that people, they started to think that there was a possibility that people could be asymptomatic. This had never been known before. Right, they right. Kind of, kind of figuring this out. So, so where we're at now in the story is just taking a step back. So, Mary is working for all these different families. All these different families are coming down with members of these families are coming down with typhoid. She's just moving from job to job, which mm-hmm. wasn't that uncommon then um, for people to move around, especially working, you know, as a cook or in domestic. But it would, the officials had a hard time identifying, you know, like the cause of, of these outbreaks. And, but there was one gentleman who was put on, as I said earlier, this is really a story about two people. It's about Mary, but also about George Soper. So, Charles, won't you tell us a little bit about George? George Soper was a, he was a sanitation engineer. Yeah. And that was back before sanitation engineers nowadays trying to, make everybody's self-esteem feel good. We call a garbage man a sanitation engineer. But he was a real sanitation engineer. They called him in when cities were sick. When cities but he wasn't sick, like a real garbage man. I mean, he didn't like... No, he was, a, he he was, was an truly, engineer. He was an engineer. He was, right. a, he was a civil engineer. He had a PhD. He was actually a... Uh, he was a very learned man. And when things like this happened, they called in George Sobo. He was kind of the uh, Jack Bauer of... Of diseases. The Jack Bauer of typhoid. He was the Jack Bauer of communicable diseases. He was well known for typhoid. Whenever they had a problem, they brought him in. They sent up the bat signal. Yeah. So he comes in and he uh, does all his normal things. Uh, He checks water, checks dairy, checks everything else. And he's he checks the toilets, the cesspools, the manure pit, the outhouse, everything. He can't find a clue. Can't find a clue. He was baffled. He was. I mean, it was frustrating for him. Uh, well, so, you know, I, I guess if you look through, you know, the outhouses and you can't find what you're looking for. Yeah, typically you have some feces in the water supply, some contaminated milk, a sickly visitor, something. Case closed. Right. It was all over. Sopa can't figure out what the hell's going on here. So what he decides to do is what my grandpappy says. Grandpappy. He decided to walk that cat backwards. Okay. 
So he talks to uh, Mr. George Thompson, the person who actually called Mr. Sopa in. Um, yes, the this. guy at Oyster Bay. Yeah, George mm-hmm. Thompson, um, because George Thompson was an affluent man. He did not want to be associated with typhoid, which was associated with the poor and uh, you know people mm-hmm. in the ghettos. And so he was, and he owned a bunch of houses, and he was afraid people were not going to rent his houses. So he calls Sopa in, and Sopa does all this. So then he hears that they had recently lost a cook. Now, to Sopa, that was kind of interesting because the cook, the cook left, you know, if uh, if in the dead of the night, mm-hmm. no no reason, didn't say anything. Now. Typically, that would happen if you had a diamond necklace. If you had some kind of murder, some kind of mayhem, and the cook leaves, you know, that that's obvious. But the cook just leaves. So, as I said, he decides to walk the cat backwards and say, well, what about this cook? I want to know about this cook. So, he starts looking backwards where this cook used to be and finds out that she's just leaving a trail of illness behind her. Just She's just like a... She's she's like a drunken sailor with chlamydia is what she is. So just, so he found did, what, did they have references or something? Is that how he tracked find out where she worked prior? Uh, well, what was interesting, he had some references, and then he had a two year gap that he did not know. Who, but he had a good description of her, and he knew she was a cook. Um, she was a uh, he had a in his description follows she was a buxom build. Blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman with a firm mouth and jaw. Mm-hmm. Um, and people that interviewed that he interviewed said, in retrospect, she was not particularly clean in her work habits and difficult to talk to. So he went to some employment agencies. That's where a lot of people hired people and started looking around. And uh, what he found out was that in every household this skanky women worked, woman worked at, People got the typhoid. So he decided he had to find her and track her down. And he finally does track her down. And, and it, it takes him quite a while. He, he tracks her down and... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. He finds out that she had gone to a cook at another home. They contracted the typhoid she'd taken off. She went to another home as a cook. They got the typhoid she took off. So he finally finds her. She's working for a man named Walter Bowen and their family. And he just wants to uh, talk to her because he has this idea that she possibly is a carrier because she's clearly shown no symptoms at a typhoid. And uh, so what he wants, strangely, and this will be a peculiar request when you knock on somebody's door, is uh, he just wants a little of her urine, her feces, and her blood. And a reasonable request. A reasonable request, I would think. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Mary Mallon was an Irish woman. Um, if someone was, came up to you today and asked for a little bit of your feces, blood, and urine. No problem. No, no problem. problem. And, you know, for the life of me, this could have been solved very quickly had the woman just peeled the bloomers off and handed it to him and said, there you go. You got to sample all three right there. But... Instead, she took another approach. She grabbed a carving fork and came after him. So she wasn't very open to the idea. No, 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 no. She chased him out down the hall, out through the iron, out through the gate, and into the street. And uh, so, really, what he thought he was going to do, he thought he was going to go explain to Mary that, uh, look, we think you're a carrier. Can we have some? Will you come with us so we can get some? Uh, uh, so we can take, run some tests, see if, you, in fact, you are a carrier, and she would just say, okay, sure, I'll come right with you. But, yeah. But, but she but wasn't she obliging. Felt was, she, felt, she felt that she had been, she was being accused and persecuted. <clears throat> and, again, as I said, she was Irish, so that makes her a little bit crazy. He's just going to go ahead and do what I, part two. What I can't get, you know, the, the puzzling, the other puzzle in this is, you know, you know, on, on my mama's side of the family, they're all Irish. Ain't a damn good cook between them. Who was hiring all these Irish people to be cooks? She had a reputation of being a very, very good cook. Yeah, that's strange. That's strange. She must have had some some Italian or something in her. But anyway, she has this violent reaction when it goes along. And and, uh, so, you know, Sopa's starting from the beginning. So what he decides to do is take a softer, gentler approach. And he brings in um, this Miss Josephine Baker, a Dr. Josephine Baker, not the singer Josephine Baker. Okay. I like the singer Josephine Baker. Yeah. Now, Mary, now, instead of just bringing Miss Baker, they came with five policemen and an ambulance, a straitjacket and a taser. Just in case a one taser. Got, a taser. I don't think they had tasers back then. Well, they should have brought a taser. They didn't. Maybe they didn't, but they should have had a taser. They brought billy clubs, and I and I believe a German Shepherd or two. So, but Mallon was looking for him this time. She was prepared this time. So she, what she did, she was on the lookout, and she peered. She was out, on the lamb. She peers out the window, a long kitchen fork in her hand, like a rapier. And as she lunged at this is George talking, mm-hmm. as she lunged at me with a fork, I stepped back, recoiled on the policeman, and so confused matters, but 
by the time we got through the door, Mary had completely vanished. It was like she was an apparition. She was like the axe man of New Orleans. So she did not take kindly to them coming there uh, to her house. She threatened him with a fork. She was, she was still not Sing ready them. to give her second quarantine. Oh. She was still not ready to give up the underwear. Okay. So they searched everywhere. Now some footprints were spotted leading from the house to a chair next to a fence. She jumped, and, and you know how women dress with the petticoats and the long skirts and everything back then? Yeah, I mean, you know, you were there. Yeah. So so what she does is she leaps this fence. She scales the fence in the petticoats, the long skirt, the underwear, everything, over into a neighbor's property. They spent five hours searching both properties until finally, finally, they found a tiny scrap of blue calico caught in the door of a closet under the high outside stairway leading to the front door. So she was hiding. She was hiding. Now, Baker, here's how she describes the emergence of Malin from the closet. She came out fighting and swearing, both of which she could do with appalling efficiency and vigor. She was Irish. She wasn't Irish. She, 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 she was be a swearing. tempered Irish woman. She never swear. Mm-hmm. Well, makes me miss my mom. Shit, no, you shouldn't. It's wrong. So Miss Baker says I've made another effort to talk to her sensibly and asked her again for her underwear. Let me have the specimens, but it was of no use. By the time she was convinced that the law was wantonly persecuting her, when she had done nothing wrong, she knew that she had never had typhoid fever, and she was. Maniacal in her integrity. There was nothing I could do but take her with us. The policeman lifted her into the ambulance and I literally sat on her all the way to the hospital. It was like being in a cage with an angry lion. I mean, she had the disposition of, you know how to, your wife come home from the beauty place with a bad haircut? That's what, she had that kind yeah, of mood. She was in that, that kind of mood. Um... I mean, I kind of, I can kind of understand her point. I mean, you know, you get these strangers coming, telling you you've got something that you don't think you have, and then they're hauling you away. She's not a doctor. No, no, she's not a doctor. But I so mean, she doesn't know what she has. But the major point that you men are missing: you don't pick up strange women without a reference or a resume. I, I, I often, I, n- I never pick up strange women. He, what? <laughs> well, you usually get that because you, you got to get the information for the credit card. So Please continue. <laughs> well, really, that's the end of Sopa's part in this. I mean, Sopa, his, his real accomplishment, there's two big ones, is that he realized that, uh, that there was one person um, just flitting about, putting this typhoid out she in that like in, in area. very much. Oh, she flitted back. She flitted she all over. She flitting much. She'd wait till all of a sudden, you know, she fixed some dinner, somebody cramps up, got to run to the bathroom, and she's like, I'm packing my bags and getting the hell out of here. Sounded like Mary Jo down here in the hood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just uh, everybody knows you don't mess with Mary Jo. No, and you don't eat her cooking. You don't eat her cooking because you, you really don't know. Don't eat her cooking. Because she ain't got the clean house. She don't cooking. do the dishes, right? She yeah, don't, you know. Well, apparently she wasn't wiping well enough either. Well, apparently she was wiping hand. too well. She or just wasn't using hands. enough leaves or whatever the hell it was they was using back then. Okay, know. Brandy, so why don't you she, tell us the true story? <laughs> so she actually admitted poor hygiene to Josephine Baker. 
But she, she stunk pretty badly when it got. Uh, she admitted poor hygiene. Uh, she she admitted she did not understand the purpose of hand washing because she did not pose a risk. So she just didn't do that. Uh, but they sent her. They quarantined her. They got her and they quarantined her and they threw her in prison. And they forced her to they forced her to give up stool and urine samples. And doctors found a significant nidus of uh, typhoid bacteria in her gallbladder. So in she was a carrier in her gall in her gallbladder was just there. Uh, authorities actually wanted to remove her gallbladder so that she would no longer be a carrier. And of course, she refused because her being a cook and not a doctor, she recognized the fact that she was not a carrier. So. She was unwilling to, and she was unwilling to cease doing her work as a cook. So she wasn't gonna, she wasn't gonna not be a carrier anymore, and she wasn't gonna not be a cook. Did she agree to wash her damn hands once in a while? Does not say. She sounds <clears throat> like an asshole. Well, I mean, so. the, the interesting thing is, is that there was, other than this vague health ordinance that said that that gave the health department authority to, you know, to take action against health risk. There was no really no law she was breaking. So, in her point, you know, from her point of view, she didn't do anything wrong. And even if she, even if she had typhoid, there was no law on the books that pertained to her situation that would allow them to incarcerate her well, or quarantine her. Well, let me just say, in defense of New York. Um, they were the health officials were basing their power on sections 1169 and 1170 of the Greater New York Charter. The Board the of Charter. Health shall use all reasonable means for ascertaining the existence and cause of disease or peril to life or health, and for averting the same throughout the city. Said board may remove or cause to be removed to a proper place be a designated any person sick with any contagious, pestilential, or infectious disease. Correct. And then the key word, the, the defense would argue there, is the key word there is sick. She wasn't sick. She was making with others sick. Sick with any contagious. Yeah, well, she wasn't sick. She has something contagious. So there was, my point is, there was no point law on uh, ordinance or law or statute that gave them permission to do what they did. And what did they do, Brandy? Well, they threw her, they had her in jail. And they put her in jail the first time they put her there for three years. She was in her quarantine. She was there for three years. They collected all these samples Well, it wasn't from her. exactly jail. No, I mean, it was jail. They threw her. That was a quarantine. That's where they kept her was in an isolated ward of a jail. Okay. Um, but eventually, uh, the New York State Commissioner of Health, Eugene Porter, decided that Disease carriers would no longer be kept in isolation, and she could be freed if she stopped working as a cook and take reasonable steps, i.e. washing your hands and changing your drawers. Changing your drawers once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, to you prevent... can't just turn them inside out. You, find that, you found that out the hard way, didn't you? It, it, it don't work. Yeah. Um, but taking some reasonable steps to prevent transmitting typhoid to others. So she agreed, and she was prepared to change her occupation, and she signed an affidavit, and she was released from quarantine and returned to the mainland. Um, yeah, she was put on an island, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, she was put on an island, and at this point, she kind of had—people felt sorry for her. Like, 
Um, except the people that yeah, had to tie for it. Except for the yeah. people I had to tie for it. But pretty much people felt sorry for her. She, it was a sad story. Even if they agreed that she had to be quarantined, that she, there was a lot of public support for Mary, and that would change. Yes. So, she, When she was released, she got a job as a laundress. Um, however, it paid a lot less than cooking. And so she, what she did is what, you know, all good people do is they go in and change their names. Yes. And she went right back to cooking. Well, if I could change my name, the creditors would be happy. There you go. So for the next five years, she worked in a bunch of kitchens, and where, wherever she worked, there were outbreaks of typhoid. And she, she changed jobs all the time. She would just come and go. But Sofer was still bird-dogging her. Oh, he was still checking on her. He was on her. So in nineteen, 19- he was persistent. Oh yeah. Oh, he was like a he was like a wolf or a lamb chop. He was not giving this one up. So isn't it ironic his name is Soper? Just, just I don't know she, why. You know, she it, wouldn't it, use Soper. It's ironic that he was he was the Soper, and she was. What I don't understand about the whole unnecessary washing of the hands things is you go to the bathroom, okay, back in those days, and I and I assume you had. Leaves and pine cones, corn cobs. I don't I know. I think what they you probably had. had something more advanced than that. This is 1907. But they didn't have the shaman from keeping the doo doo from getting on your hands. Probably right? didn't have shaman there. So you come back with the smelly fingers and everything. Wouldn't you think you just want to wash them just so you didn't bug yourself? You know what, though? Here's the thing, and I'm, I, I am as much of a germaphobe hand washer as anybody else, but Americans are very, very hung up. On as you're digging it yourself, scratching. What is wrong know, with I you? I got bugs. a little bit of scabies. Yeah. Yes, okay. Did you pick up a Mary on the street? <laughs> but <laughs> you know, Americans are very, very. <clears throat> I'm not gonna say, weird, in particular about hygiene and showering every day and things like that. And people around Obviously the world not live in don't my neighborhood. do that. People around the world don't shower every day. Americans waste a ton of water. On things that the rest of the world doesn't care about. About being stinky? They don't care. Go to France. I wash my hands before I go to the bathroom. Yeah, you do. Now you wonder so, why I don't do potlucks at work. That, I, don't. I don't do potlucks at work. No, I do not. All right. So, in 1915, old girls started another major outbreak. This time at Sloan Hospital. So, this time is people were already compromised. She At Sloan Hospital for Women... 25 people were infected and two died. Yeah, so she was working at the hospital. Yes. She left again, but police found her, arrested her, as she was bringing food to a friend on Long Island. She was going under the name Mary Brown. Mm Mm-hmm. So they again returned her to quarantine on North Brother Island on March 27, 1915. Still wouldn't have her gallbladder removed. Um, she was confined for the remainder of her life. Yeah, and then the second time, public opinion started to change. Yeah, because, again, she was kind of a bitch about it. She just really stopped. She would not uh, admit that she had anything. Um, Why didn't they just get somebody to shank her in jail in the gallbladder? I don't know, because this I don't isn't think the wire. She, I don't think she was. it was like a jail, though. I think it was like a, she was on an, on an island, and, I, you know, they had, I think she had. In a box? Like no, I, I think she her? could walk around, and, and I, I just think she was isolated on an island they had, when they had, a, like, a compound there. I don't think it was like a, you know, like a prison cell. 
if he she worked at, she actually ended up working at the hospital on the island where she died. She was a nurse, and then uh, she worked in, in the in the hospital itself. So, so I mean, so hold on, they exiled her to the island for spreading the disease. And then let her, and then let her in and the hospital. And then they let her yeah. be the cook. No, she wasn't a cook. She was like a nurse's aide. Was or this something. like death she island? She was no. She was allowed to work as a technician in the island's laboratory. She washed bottles. So it was That's kept her hand clean. Oh, yeah. Goodness. She washed bottles. She kept her hands clean. She did for her the mess. second and third bottles. It was clean. Not well, for the first you know, one. Yeah. whatever. So anyway, she spent the rest of her life in quarantine, and six years before her death, she had a stroke. She was paralyzed, and then on November 11, nineteen thirty-eight, she died of anyone tuberculosis. No pneumonia. Pneumonia. Oh. An autopsy was done. And they found live typhoid bacteria in her gallbladder. So she was cremated and buried in the Bronx. If you can give somebody a lobotomy, why can't you give somebody a gallbladderotomy? Well, they offered to take her gallbladder. They tried to take her gallbladder out, but there was nothing wrong with her. But my point is, those people that got lobotomies, they wasn't asking for them. They They had, well, they made posters of this woman. They had newspaper articles about this woman. People knew who she was. How she kept getting hired on as a cook, whether you're Mary Brown or Mary Mallon, is beyond me because people knew who she was. She became, you know, but, I mean, can you imagine? It's New York City. There's, you know, there's it, probably thousands. A little bit of, of trivia about of her. A little bit of, little bit of trivia about her. Was hiring her. She, she made a, her. she made a dish that was very popular. She was, she actually did make this dish. It was called Peach Melba. And you made the peaches. It was made out of uncooked peaches. It was kind of like a little cobbler that you made without well, milk and peaches and some You going to spit this out today? The whole point is, that's one of the reasons it got spread so quickly is because had she made peach cobbler, the oven, the heat in the oven would have killed the disease. But, but she, she made these raw, this, raw dishes mm-hmm. that the typhoid was just... It, it, basically, it was like... I'll have the house salad with the typhoid dressing. Sure. That's what I have. And uh, people is just falling over left and right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. another, uh, so a kind of a, sort of, I mean, I think she lived a kind of a sad life. She, Even though she was resistant and she could have uh, cooperated, you know, she wasn't educated. She, you know, she probably, you know, it's, like I said, some strangers are showing up to your door saying you've got this disease that you've never been sick before in your life. She killed more people than Pancho Villa. She actually didn't. And there okay, were other... Jesse James. She yeah. actually... There were very few deaths associated with her. She's and just an outbreak. And there were other people who were carriers. Uh, there was... Wait a minute. There was another guy. His name was like Typhoid John or something like that. And he didn't... I mean, they basically slapped him on her wrist. I mean, they didn't do anything with him. I, mean, I think they quarantined him for two weeks or something. So the day she died, she refused to acknowledge that she had typhoid. But there was other, I think as they said, 3 to 5% of anyone who contracts it can be a carrier. So, you know, just by the numbers, you know that there were a lot more carriers around than than Mary. Well, this was the age that they uh, realized that there could be carriers. Right. And And a small anecdote. That happened to the colonel himself. Here we go. I have three boys. Yeah. Oh my God. And two of them 
had to keep, they were running back and forth to the doctor, Tana and Logan, mm-hmm. strep throat every month. They the appreciate strep this, throat. I'm sure. Strep throat all the time. Was it typhoid? Wasn't typhoid, no. And then the doctor's like, and he was a little confused at first because it was always Tanner, and, you know, they don't pay attention to who it is, and Tanner's an identical twin. And all of a sudden, he rang a bell to him. I never see Taylor. I never see Taylor in here. Brought Taylor in here. You know what that little boy was? A carrier. He was a filthy little carrier. He was the carrier. He was the carrier of the street. He was the outbreak monkey. Did you put him in on an island? He should. We had his tonsils taken out. He he agreed. He did not come at me with a fork. He should have. Um, although I did not ask him for any feces. Did you um, forcibly? Well, he'd have thrown it at you anyway. <laughs> did you forcibly take his tonsils because they really should have forcibly taken I took a his tonsils out myself with a hot coat hanger and some Jack Daniels. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's all I have on Miss Mary. She's dead. Okay, yeah, she is dead. Uh, George Soper dead too. <laughs> George Soper dead. Okay. George Soper died in. He now he lived a pretty healthy life. Unfortunately, Mr. Soper, his he, eyesight he, went bad. Yes, but he accomplished. He he was very active and he helped found helped found the Geritol. American Cancer Association. Yes, which um, had become the American Cancer Society. And ironically, American Cancer Society, um, ironically, Mr. Sopa's eyesight started to fail him as he got older. Do you and know the meaning of he ironic? Was, he was... It's ironic that he doesn't. It's, it's okay, let me restate. Okay, let me restate for the English majors in here. Tragically, Mr. Sopa's eyesight started to fail him. They're not interchangeable words. And he was that. crossing the street one day. And did not see the streetcar. Was it named Desire? Um, it was not named Desire. Was there any dancers about Mr. Sopa got hit by a streetcar. <sighs> Are you making this up? It seems a fitting ending for a man like <laughs> so. Mr. Yes, Sopa. he is. <laughs> okay, but before he died, he did. He was. He did help establish the American. So cancer we've done society. two podcasts. Yeah. Somebody that founded the March of Dimes uh-huh. and the American Cancer. Society. Isn't that ironic? That there's some irony in that. Now, it would be ironic if Mr. Now, Mr. Soper was a heavy smoker, too. Uh, All right. Let's not. He was a heavy smoker. That's one thing that uh, Uh, everybody was. Yeah, everybody 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 back in those days was. And he was one of the first people to come out and say that smoking had very negative effects upon him. He started to see people did smoke quite a bit. He never did stop smoking, um, which led to his poor eyesight. Which led to him getting hit by a streetcar. Brandy Herman, do you have anything you would like to add to this? Please disregard everything that Charles has stated today, as it was mostly bullshit. Thank you. And Charles, Colonel, do you have anything to say? Well, I would just like to commend Mr. Sopa. He's he's a great American hero. I mean, he he saw Uh, something. Am I the only one that feels sorry for Mary? Yes. Yes, I, I believe you are. And, 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 and Mr. Sober, now, now, now my grandpappy used to say this to me. You know, he, he saw all this evidence, right? Uh-huh. And it, it, was, it, was, it was pretty circumstantial. There was really not a case there, right? And my grandpappy used to tell me this. You find a goldfish in your milk, it don't prove anything, but it's mighty damn suspicious. Your grandfather was a wise man. And that's what Mr. Sober thought. When this cook kept leaving and people kept getting the typhoid, 
Down well, he was running around. He was running around all over trying to find her. He was. He well, oh, he was running around like a. He was running around like. He was running around like a one-armed monkey with two peckers is what he was doing. Then Searching for this one. Yeah, he was running around. He was just because a one-armed monkey with two one, peckers. He was one-armed monkey frantic. with two peckers. ain't running around anywhere. He was just, sitting there chilling. He was as frantic as a one-armed monkey with two peckers. Well, now that maybe to find this one. Brandy, the good brandy. Do you have anything that you would like to That's add? It's hurtful. It's hurtful. That's hurtful to me. But she's good. good she is not good. She's a blue-haired devil. See. That's what she is. But she's good at the being bad. She's good at the being that. And, and, and it, so she's good. And we, we are lucky today to have two brandies. We have the blue hair brandy with an eye who spent the, I better part, stripper. the better part of her youth on a pole collecting nope. single dollar bills. And we have the lovely brandy over here who's kind intelligent. of intelligent. intelligent. None of that's true. And I hope my parents aren't listening. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure they will be very supportive of your career at the Brass Ass. Yeah. I so, hope your mother is supportive of my career because she's the only one that's going to hear this. <laughs> All right. Anything else to add? No, thank you. Okay. Look for us next time on History Dweeb. Bye. Bye. Good day. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.